musician Amy. That was great. Where's Amy? Very good time of worship. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. If you're a visitor, you're truly welcome. We're glad to have you here. Today I'm speaking on a message titled, Hold Fast. Hold Fast. And this from the scripture, the Bible says, we should hold fast to the profession of our faith or of our hope without wavering. Because he who promised is faithful. Hold fast to the confession of your hope without wavering. Because the one who promised is faithful. That means unless you hold fast to the confession of your faith, you may never receive the promise. I call confession of our faith Faith's testimony. The testimony of faith. Remember what it says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of their testimony. The testimony of faith. God wants you to speak it. Hold fast. Don't change your testimony. Don't allow yourself to have Two different testimonies or confessions. The testimony of faith or the testimony of the flesh. How you feel, what you see. Testimony of the senses. So the Bible tells us to do that. To hold fast to what you have. And what we have is our faith's testimony. What God has already done for us. You see, sense knowledge holds fast to the confession of our physical evidence. What you feel, what you can see with your own eyes, what you can see in the natural. But God will rather you have a confession of faith based on the word. In Joel chapter 3 verse 10, the Bible says, Let the weak say, I am strong. Yes, your body is telling you that you're weak. You have the physical evidence in the natural that you're weak. You feel weak. But God says, don't you ever say it. Don't let it come out of your mouth. Acknowledge the fact that you're weak. Let the weak, in other words, you know you're weak. But God says, don't say it. Don't let it come out of your mouth. Rather, say, I am strong. It sounds like a lie because you feel weak. But that's faith's testimony, based on the word of God. Not what you, say, what you think, but what God says. You feel like you're lying, but that's what God said to say. Let God be true, and every man a liar. So it's better to say what God said, rather than what you feel. What you've gathered with your five senses. Because that's what's going to deliver you. God's the one that created us. He knows us. He knows our being. He knows what's good for us. And God says, don't you ever say you're weak. Even though you're feeling that way. 
You can read that in Joel chapter 3 verse 10. Let the weak say, I am strong. So even if you feel like you are in want, God says, yes, all the natural evidence. Where you live, he's saying that. But the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So rather than talking about your want and calling everybody, trying to get sympathy, God says, don't you dare say it. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. (laughs) Acknowledge him in all of your ways. He will lead you in the right path. That's the word. That's what is important. A lady said, I always speak my mind. I say it as it is. I always speak my mind. Guess what? She had no friends. Because unless you have the mind of Christ, hello, Unless you have the mind of Christ, you cannot always speak your mind. It hurts you and hurts somebody else. You only have to speak what God says in the word. That is what is important. Notice what Jesus himself said very clear in the scriptures. You can read that in John chapter 12, verse 49 and 50. Jesus said, you know, and the words you hear from me, they are not my words. I never say anything of my own. It's what the Father tells me. That's what I say. You can read that again in John 14 verse 10. He says, if you don't believe I'm, these words I'm, you're hearing from me, they're not mine. What I hear from the Father, that's what you hear from me. I don't speak my own words. I don't have any authority to speak my own words. I only say what the Father tells me. You can read that. That's what he's saying. And Jesus was the perfect example. He lived a life of victory. You never hear a word from Jesus' mouth, I'm afraid. You can't read it in scriptures. He never said anything like that. He never said he was in want. You never know it. He only spoke what the Father told him to speak. And you know, God has given us so much in the scriptures to speak rather than leaning on our own understanding and speaking what we truly believe or what I truly feel. The the truth, the way you see it. Your mind. This is scripture. That's why the Bible tells us life and death are in the power of the tongue. And if you love it, you love to use it. Every time you speak, you are sowing seed. And that seed is going to germinate. If you keep watering it, saying the same thing over again, over and over again, it's going to affect your life. You keep speaking those words over your children, over and over again, they will invariably direct their lives to that. That's exactly what you got. You cannot sow corn and, uh, and hope, hope to reap apples. It don't work in nature. It's the same way. What you say is seed. That's why Jesus said that everyone will give account of those idle words that you spoke in the last day. You are go- because your words are not idle. They are sowing, you are sowing seed for a reaping. So your words are very important. 
James tells us, I'm going back again. James tells us in James chapter 3, he says, if you are able to control what comes out of your mouth, you can control your whole life. You can determine your destiny. If you can control it, he said, if you can do that, the same is a perfect man. So your tongue is the issue. That's the problem here. What you say is very important. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. He says, we also have the same spirit of faith. You believe it, you say it. If you're constantly speaking sickness and disease, that's what you believe. You will be sick. And we will send you flowers. If you keep talking want and want and want, joblessness, I can't find a job, that's all you confess. You keep talking about that. That's what you believe. You are a jobless fellow. You won't find one. They hire you today. They want to fire you the next day. Because you have programmed your life that way. You know, that's what it says. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Watch what you say. Watch what you say over your children. Watch what you say over your business. Watch what you say over your job. Just because they are sending a memo that they will fire some people, don't go around telling everyone, I think I'm going to be one of the first to be fired. Yes, you will be the one. They'll they fire you. They'll fire you. You are next. So there is wrong and right confession. Any confession that contradicts the word of God is wrong. Any confession that lines up with the word of God, even in the very presence of contrary, contradictory evidence, that's right. And God will defend his word with his life. That's why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they told the king, we're not going to listen to you. We know our God can deliver us. But, and he will deliver us. But if he chooses not to deliver us, we're ready to die. Guess what? Before they got into the fire, Jesus was already there. He watches over his word to perform it. I think we are really having a hard time in our lives, all of us, including myself. Not in a, we like to blame the other person. You are the, your worst enemy. Especially your tongue is your worst enemy. It's easy to pass the buck, you know, it's the other person that is causing it's the other enemy, it's the person that says, but what have you been speaking? You got control. Why will another person have control over your life? God should have control over your life. When you give your life to God, then God should have control over your life. But God works according to what comes out of your mouth. Let me tell you this, God will never do anything outside of yourself. I've often said that Jesus healed everybody, right? But no, he only healed those who came to him and asked for healing. Jesus didn't go to hospitals and empty the hospitals. No, what you give to him is what he's going to work with. Now, Jesus could have multiplied bread to feed the 5,000, just reach out to heaven and bread, to bring bread down. No, he said, what do you have? Give it to me and I'll take it, bless it, give it right back to you. Your words are important. That's what you're giving to him. You give him negative words, like he said in, in Numbers, just as I've heard from your mouth, that's what I'm going to give you. You are going to be in this wilderness, just like you said, we will die in the wilderness. 
God said, right, you'll die in the wilderness. And they died. All of them. So we need to recognize that. There are four areas. Let me put this first. The foundation of all Christian confessions. You know what it is? The foundation of all Christian confessions. The scriptures. The Bible. That's the foundation. That's the first place to start changing your life. How many people know people read the scriptures and don't believe what it says? They've read it. They've gone to school. They have DDDs and PhDs. I've called that PhDs. Post-old diggers, you know. But they don't believe it. They don't believe it. You know why they don't believe it? Because they've been saying over and over again, that's just a book. That's just a book. How do you know that what is written there is true? How do you know that God... They have questions. And they've been saying it all along. And when, even after they truly try to believe, they struggle. Because over years, they've been programming their spirit not to believe the scriptures. And so they hear the word of God. He sounds true to them. They want to have faith. But there's something in them that's fighting it. And the only way you can reverse that is to constantly say from your mouth, I believe that the word of God is authentic. That is the word of God. I believe everything that's written in there. I will observe everything in there. I will do whatever God says. Keep saying it over and over again. And before you know, he'll take over your life. And then it's easy for you to believe. That's the foundation. Until you believe that the word of God is truly the word of God. That every word is inspired by the this, by this Holy Spirit. And that every word has consequence over your life. The way you live according to this word. Or for it or against it. Will affect your life. Until you truly believe that. God cannot do much in your life. To destroy your life with your own mouth. And it's hard to believe. So that's the foundation. You have to believe. I've met Christians that tell, they will tell you, well, uh, that's Old Testament. How many heard that? We don't believe that. But then if you really listen to them, you will find out that they don't even believe the New Testament as well. That's the truth. Yeah, they don't. Jesus made it very clear. He said, if you believe Moses, you believe in Jesus. Because Moses wrote about me. You don't believe in, in, in Moses. That's why you cannot believe in me. You didn't believe in his writings. They say, well, we believe. They say it with their mouth, but God said their heart's far from me. Scripture is clear. So you believe in the word of God, and you have to say it. Now, if you have doubts about the word of God, and Satan has been injecting doubt about the word of God, you can just continue to say it from your mouth. Program your spirit. Amen. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And the Bible tells us in, in, in uh, Romans chapter 10, what does it say? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. It's the word of faith which we preach, that if you believe with all of your heart, that Jesus is Lord, and you confess with your mouth. So you confess with your mouth. As you keep confessing with your mouth, it's established in your heart. That's why the Bible says, decree a thing... It's to be established. 
How do you decree? By just sitting down there? No. Say it. Say it. That's how you get saved. By believing in your heart and saying it with your mouth. That's how you get saved. There are four areas that I believe the Christians should hold fast to as Christians, as a believer. This is a very, very important message to me because I hear too many Christians suffer and you can't do anything about it because of the way they speak. And you know you can't even try to argue with them. They won't listen. So the best thing is wait for the time that they really are in trouble <laughs> and they're looking for help. <laughs> they say, I think I can help you. Okay, they say, really? Yes. Because now they are ready to listen. It's so important. Four areas. First thing is what God in Christ has done for us. That's the first area. You need to search the scriptures. The Bible, Jesus said, search the scriptures. For you think you have life in them, he told the Pharisees. But they spoke about me. And the Bible tells us to search the scriptures, read the scriptures, study, to show yourself approved of God. So search yourself from the scriptures because you believe they are the word of God. Search the scriptures so you know what God says about you and what Jesus has done for you. The word of God is a testament I will. The word testament means will. And Jesus made the will and died for us. If a woman says, my husband who is so wealthy has died. And he has a will, but he's been dead for like five years. He has a will, he's really wealthy. But I wonder if he left anything there for me. And I say, why don't you read the will? Read the will and find out what he has for you. This is the will of the Lord God for your life. And it's a good will. God means the best, it means well for you. And you need to read that will to find out what Jesus has accomplished for you. The second thing is what God, through his Holy Spirit and the word of God, has done for you. We need to know what those things are. Thirdly, you want to know who you are, how God the Father himself sees you. Because if you don't, Satan is going to trick you to make you think God doesn't really care for you. You got these problems in your life, you were so bad and all of that, and so uh, that's why all these things are happening to you. God must be punishing you. Until you know the way God, how God sees you as a Christian, how much he loves you, Satan will deceive you. He is called the deceiver. And he he deceives you to get you in a place where God cannot bless you, cannot reach you, and then he unloads on you. And you can do nothing about it. Because the Bible says, you shall know the truth. That's the only way to be free. If the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. But you have to know the truth. The Son is the truth. The Son of God is the truth. The Word of God is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So find out the truth. Once you get a hold of the truth, speak it to anyone who listens. 
And to those who will not listen, speak it. And it's a double-edged sword. It cuts that way, it cuts back to you. And it changes and transforms your life. It's such a beautiful thing. I tell you what, you will never understand the power of God until you start speaking. Amen. I've seen it by the grace of God. Nothing to boast about. But I can lay my hands, feel absolutely nothing on a sick person and instantly God heals them. And I'm feeling nothing. Sometimes they say your hand burns, your hands burning like fire. But I have to act on the word because I believe the word and I've been saying to myself, I can do that. I can do that. Jesus said you can lay your hands on the sick and the sick will recover. He does the recovering part, but I do my laying on of hands. I believe his word. And I go out and I lay my hands on them. Feel nothing. And he shows up. Can I hear an amen? That's so important. So important. We can do it. But you have to find out first how the Father sees you. That you are loved. That no matter what you do, Jesus said these words, that we're going back to the word. He said, those that the Father has given to me. No man can come to me except the Father himself draws him. So if you are in church today and you love, want to serve God, guess who found you? You think you found God. He was looking for you. He found you and drew you to himself. Because Jesus said, no one can come to me. It's impossible unless the Father picked you and drew you. And then he said, those that the Father has given to me. That means if the Father has drawn you and you come, he's got you. Those that, they said, those that the Father has given to me, no one can pluck them out of my hands. And then he added, because... The Father who gave them to me is greater than all. So I have security. Amen? Nobody's doing anything with me. Amen? I'm going to be flying uh, right after church back to Nigeria. The plane is going to land. No plane crash. Because the Father is with me. Amen? Amen? Nobody. I'm not ready to go home yet. So the plane, if he wants to crash, wait, land, let me come down. And then you can go back up and crash wherever you want. But not with me in there. I'm not ready to go home yet. His eyes are always upon us. His, eye, his eyes are on the sparrows. If God cares for the sparrows, what about the one who has accepted the son and has embraced his son? And his son is, hey, that's why Paul said, we are more than conquerors. We can't be touched. Amen. These guys are thinking, <laughs> can't touch this, you know. <laughs> I'm not going there anymore. <laughs> I'm getting out of there. <laughs> we need to know that. Thank you. He loves us dearly. And then we need to know what God can do through us. Earth in vessel. God can do a lot through us. I'm looking, my vision is to see some of our young people grow up and become somebody like Billy Graham, amen? Or become the president of the United States. He said, I know that president, he was one of my sons in my church. No, kidding. <laughs> yes. I believe in God for that children. Somebody brought Billy Graham to church, right? Yes. He was in church. Nobody knew he was going to become that. We have said, God can do it. There's nothing that's impossible for God. So God can use us. 
So the first thing this morning, I want to go ahead and talk about what God, just a little bit of it, so you can search the scriptures for yourself. What God has done for us. The first thing I want to talk about is the fact that Jesus paid a serious price so that you can become without sin. You can become without sin. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, he says, God demonstrated, not just speak, but he demonstrated that he loves you. God demonstrated his own love toward us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still doing bad things, God was, still show, was showing his love for us. It's not whether you are bad or whether you've done something wrong. That doesn't change his love for you. He paid the price on the cross for you, for your sins, so that you can be free from sin. What I like Christians to know, if God was demonstrating, that's a lot of pain, right? To demonstrate his love for us on the cross. You know how he died. If you read in Isaiah 50, they actually, the Jewish men were obeyed. They were plucking off his beards from his face, plucking the hair from his, his hair from the hair from his face. That's how painful. Not only the stripes. He said no word. Because if he didn't tolerate that, it won't be well for you through eternity. But he wanted to do that. And that was demonstrating his love for you. Even at the time we were still doing what was wrong. He demonstrated his love. Now, listen. If you are here today and thinking, I don't know if God really loves me, you've been deceived. Because see, while you were still doing wrong, he loved you then. Now you are a member of his family. You are a member of his family. I've got children, and some of them have been real trouble. Especially when they were younger. I talked about Omar. I guess you heard it before. He was such a trouble to me. I told, the, I told Omar, one of us is going to die in this house. <laughs> yeah. He was such a trouble. Now he's, in fact, in those days I was asking God, God, you know, I really prayed for a good son. Where did this one come from? He, I can't see him. He must have gone back to his medical school. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. That's why it's not... Well, I can't say it's not good to be a pastor, so that's good. That's good. <laughs> I'm not saying that. But I spank him. He's crying. And I'm also hurting. <laughs> I wish I could stop. Stop, son. But thank God. Through prayer and everything, Omar is a different kid. It's, it's a joy because of God in our family. God in your house. He said, no man can take you from his hand. 
You are part. He paid the price for you. If you are a Christian, He loves you. Even if you are not doing all the right things. Unless you have totally rebelled. You know, the father in this prodigal son story, they, he was over, over there destroying himself. The father didn't leave his house to go look for him. But every day he was hurting because of that son. Because of his love. He was a member of the family. So God truly loves you. No matter what your past has been, you are loved by God. Especially when you have given your life to Him, you are truly loved. I tell you, there is not one angel that doesn't know who you are in heaven. Not one angel can say, I don't know who that is. They know us because God tells us in Hebrews chapter 1 that all of them have been sent to minister to you. That's how much you are loved. You know, some Christians are afraid. Satan is going to do this to me. I say, what is the matter with you? God has all these angels assigned to you. And then you're acting that way like you're not loved. That's because you have not been confessing it. Say it from your mouth. I've got angels all over my home. And if you dare try to touch me, one of those angels, when they just one whack, you will never return. Amen. They're there for you. God sent them. While you were yet sinners, He died for you. Now you are a saint. You have accepted Christ as your Savior, and God sent multitudes of angels. Elisha, you know that story. There's a short chariots of these enemies and horsemen. And if the Gehazi said, Listen, Master, we're finished, we're surrounded. These are, we have the armies of, they are all over here. And, and God, the, the Elijah, Elijah, Elijah said, well, uh, God, please open his eyes. Let him eat a little bit of donuts and, uh, and then his eyes open. That's just gospel according to good luck. <laughs> and uh, let him see. And then once God opened his eyes, chariots of fire. Before his God opened his eyes, he could barely eat his donuts. But after he saw what was going on, I'm sure he went back and sat down and said, Nobody's going to touch me. I'm just going to eat my breakfast. Because they were there before his eyes were opened. They were there. So God has surrounded you because you are truly loved. You are truly loved. There's a scripture here. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, he tells us, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. That's what Jesus did for us. I think every morning, most mornings we come in there, we are taking the communion. And I like one particular song that we usually play back there when we pray in the morning that talks about he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. Chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, I am healed. God has given us mastery over sickness and disease. I don't have to be sick. I can be sick, but I don't have to. It depends on my confession. Hold fast to the confession of your hope without wavering. 
Because he who promised is faithful. Jesus did that for us. You ought not to be sick. I don't care what kind of sickness. God's bigger than that. You don't have to keep speaking sickness, sickness over yourself and your family. You can acknowledge it, that it's there, but don't speak it. Speak the word of God over them. Confess what God has said. Hold fast to the confession of your faith. Don't waver. Because every time you waver, you're double-minded. And a double-minded person cannot receive a thing from God. That's what God says. So, so instead of having two confessions, I want to have one confession. And that confession must be based in the word of God. I'm standing on the word. Even in the face of contradictory evidence, I'm staying with God's word. And I'm going to believe God's word. That's what he said. You know the woman, and I said this last Sunday, the woman said to herself, if I may but touch the hem of his garment. She said it, she acted on it, because you will always do <laughs> what you are saying. It's hard to think something else and say something different. You can't be talking about hamburgers and praying, in <laughs> praying for somebody at the same time. Your mind don't go that way. It's hard to think bad when you're speaking. You're saying the word of God. The fear and all of that will begin to leave. You speak what the word says. I got to stop. I'm going to end with this. That's in Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. He says, Christ has redeemed us. What did he do? What did he do? He redeemed us from the curse of the law. That's every curse. Not some. From the curse. Every curse under the curse. Everything has been broken. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And Jesus did hang on a tree. That what? That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the who is a Gentile here and who is not. That's us. The blessing of Abraham will come upon us. Gentiles. And what was the blessing of Abraham? Whatever you touch, blessed. Amen? We used to sing a song long ago, uh, My hands are blessed. My hands are blessed. Everything I touch must surely be blessed. And then in our church service, we go around touching one another, you know. <laughs> Everyone I touch, everything I touch. And that's our confession. My hands are blessed. Because God said so. He will bless whatever you set your hands to do. Is that not what he says? He meant what he said. So you begin to do whatever you're doing, whatever business God's given you to do, he laid it in your heart, and you know he's going to be blessed. Because the word says so. Not your feelings say so. Not the bank saying so. It doesn't matter what anyone is saying. Let God be true. And every man a liar. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. So, I have Abraham's blessing. Amen. Can you say that with me? I have Abraham's blessing. Would you pray for something you already have? 
Hello. When we start saying, God, give me Abraham's blessing, well, you don't have it then. Right? Because he's coming, right? But God said, he's so new. We have believed. So what do I need to do? Is confess it. I'm going to end with this scripture. You know our pastor says, you're going to st- this final and then there's another final one. <laughs> this is it for you. You got it today. <laughs> okay. Second Corinthians 4 verse 13. Can you put that up for me? Now listen. And since we have, can you all say it with me? And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, and therefore, yes. That's the spirit of faith. That's how faith works. You believe it, then say it. What I hear from your mouth is truly what you believe. Especially if you're repeating it. If you keep speaking sickness, that's what you believe. If you keep speaking want, that's what you believe. If you keep speaking fear, that's what you believe. And what you believe, be it unto you, what? According to your faith. Positive or negative. But we are of God. And we will stay on the word of God. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Give God a hand this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Stand up with me this morning. We're going to do this again. And I want those, especially if you are not sure that Jesus is in your life. There are a lot of people that feel that way. They feel like they've accepted Christ, they said the prayer, but they are not really sure whether Jesus is coming to your life. Let me tell you, your mouth... What you speak is the door open. If you speak it and say with your mouth, Jesus come into my heart. He has been standing outside the door of your heart wanting to come in. Once he comes out of your mouth, Lord, I invite you in. He comes in. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. But with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. With the heart, one believes unto righteousness. You cannot be righteous by what you do. You believe unto righteousness. You believe Jesus taking all your sins, and he has. If you believe that, you are made righteous before God. And no one is more righteous than the other. We all have the righteousness of Christ. But for you to hit where you live and change your life, you've got to speak it. Amen? So this morning... We will all make our confession, inviting Christ into our lives. If you are sick in your body, say what God said. He took my infirmities and bore my diseases. You have no right to put it on me. We are divorced today. Sickness, we just just have divorce right now. Leave me alone. Don't want you. And God will confirm his word with signs following. Don't make it too complicated so people think you are so spiritual. Just do it. Amen? Just do it. So let's make our confession as we receive Christ, especially if you are not sure that Christ is in your life, say these words, mean it. And God immediately, the Holy Spirit, according to His Word, because God's throne is faithfulness. The foundation of God's throne is faithfulness. I read that this week. 
When you say those words, God's faithful instantly He comes in. Whether you feel it or not, He's there. You just have to keep saying, He's already now in my life. Say with me, God, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, for all of my sins. Today, I ask you, God, to forgive me. Now, in the name of Jesus, I accept Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in whom I believe, to come into my life, to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Lord, because I've opened my heart and I've invited you in. I believe right now that I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. I love you, Lord. Help me to live that life. The life of a Christian. In Jesus' name. Amen.